Before we uh, look at that, I've just been informed that uh, two things. Number one, we have um, an exciting bit of news and then we have a prayer request. So uh, amongst us today is a veteran of life, a birthday today, a special birthday, is that correct? 87. I didn't want to say... Happy birthday, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear Shirley, happy birthday to you. That's the good news. Now the prayer point is she wants to go skydiving apparently. That is a prayer point. Um, anyway, that's for you Pete to deal with. This is your mum. Well, there's anything we can do. Keep it to yourself. Um, awesome, awesome. That's good. That is that is great. You, you know what? You don't look eighty-seven. I've never, I've known Shirley for a long time. You you don't come across as an eighty-seven-year-old. Oh, good. Forty-three. It's not even your birthday, is it? You just wanted that. Happy birthday. Galatians chapter 5. If you're here this morning as a visitor, let me just uh, tell you that. Uh, uh, you've basically joined a bit of an in-house family meeting today. So I want to talk primarily to those of us that call a rise home, those of us that have uh, put our roots down here. If you're a visitor, my prayer this morning is that the Holy Spirit would speak to you, perhaps about the place where you call home, the, the gathering of people that you're with. If you're not rooted somewhere, if you don't have your roots in a, a gathering of people somewhere, can I encourage you? I, I, I personally believe it's important to do that. It, it, it's not the make or break of your salvation, but in terms of our growth and our effectiveness in making a difference for the kingdom of God here, we do that better in a group than we do individually and by ourselves. So I believe in the beginning, Adam and Eve, when God creates Adam and Eve, he puts them in a garden. Everyone read that story? He put them in a garden. And when he placed them in that garden, he gave them some instruction. And the first thing he said was, I want you to... Uh, uh, the goal of this here is for you, Adam and Eve, to have dominion and look after this place and rule and reign. And, and, and I, I believe as, as believers, we're all called uh, to, to be that. We're all called to be the head, not the tail. We're called to have influence. That's what God wants for us as kingdom people, to be influencers, to be leaders in our community, in our society, in our workplaces, in our families, uh, and, and so on. So, so have dominion and rule. But he gave them a task in that garden too. He said, I want you to tend the garden. I want you to look after it. So there was, there was this sense in which God gave them a place, he put them in a garden, he gave them a purpose in that garden as well. Tend what's going on in this particular geographical space where I've put you, there's a task for you to do as well. So I want to encourage you that, that I believe that churches, uh, gatherings are like gardens. And God plants us in places. And when God plants us in a place, it's fruitful. There's fruit in our lives and there should be fruit through our lives as well. And... Um, if this is your journey, I, I don't mean to, to disrespect what you're feeling, but sometimes it grieves me when, when people say, oh, I'm in a place where I'm dying. I'm not growing in my relationship with God. I'm not growing in my passion for him, but I just think God wants me to stay here. I struggle a little bit with that because I don't think God plants us in a place to die. And I know as a pastor here, the last thing I want is somebody sitting in the life of this church feeling like you're dying spiritually 
but God's telling you to stay here. I want to say to you, don't stay here and spiritually die. God plants you by streams of living water, it says in Psalms, living water, where we grow and where we, 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 we're maturing in our faith and we're getting more passionate about God. We're understanding more about the relationship between ourselves and God and what we're meant to do in the tiny, tiny speck of dust that we have here on planet Earth. I often say to the people that come here that imagine that wall there is eternity and that little crack in the middle where the joint is, that's your life. If you look at it in the scope of eternity, it's not huge, it's not a lot. But instead of making the crack the focus, what if we made the wall the focus and said, what can I do in that space of time that's going to impact the rest of the journey? What can I do while I'm here that can have a bit of an impact for eternity? In other words, what can I do that will help build the kingdom of God in this tiny little drop of time I have on this planet Earth called life? Because it comes and it goes. And, uh, you know, 87, not everybody makes it that far. All I know is that I've got this moment and I've got today. That's all I'm guaranteed of. I don't know what else is going to happen, but I do know that somewhere in my world I want to make a difference. Somewhere in my life I want some space to do something significant uh, for the kingdom. So if you don't have your roots planted somewhere, can I just encourage you? I'm not saying come here. What I am saying is find that group of people where you can thrive and where you can grow and where you can build good relationships and connection and show to the world that Jesus started a movement called the church. He didn't start a bunch of individuals that had faith in him standing out there by themselves. He clustered them, he gathers them together together. So we do life together with him and with each other. Amen? Is that fair? So if you're here as a guest, you've kind of sat in on a family meeting, but I want you to listen. I want you to think about the place where you go and how can you uh, maybe put some of this stuff to, to work and to use in your place. Galatians chapter 5. We've been talking last week and we're continuing on this week about the whole area of service. And... Uh, if you weren't here last week, can I encourage you to go on to the iTunes thing and have a listen. Last week, uh, we tried to look at this whole idea of what is service at its, at its core. And I think somewhere along the lines, especially in Pentecostal circles, and I say that because we're, we're sort of Pentecostal movement, but somewhere along the line, I think we've changed the core value of what service is actually about. And instead of it being about sacrificially serving for the benefit of something else, we've turned it to be a self-satisfying venture. And we say things like this, find your gift. And what, we, what ends up happening is if you're, there's not a space in your church, for example, to exercise your gift, then that's an out. You don't have to serve anywhere because there's nowhere for my gift. Find your passion. So therefore, if the, 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 the gathering I'm in, the people where I'm planted, that garden has nothing I'm passionate about, well, then that's my out. I don't have to serve now because I'm not passionate about anything. If there's not something there that makes me feel self-fulfilled, you know, find what's self-fulfilling, find what, what satisfies you, what floats your boat, all that stuff. And when that's not there, we can then use that as an out and go, well, I don't need to serve anywhere here now because I'm not passionate about anything. There's nothing here that utilizes my gifts right now. And at the end of the day, service becomes all about you and what you get out of it. Nothing to do with actual service. Now, Jesus said in Matthew 20, 28, I think it is, the Son of Man came not to be served, but I came to serve. And I came to give my life as a ransom for others. In other words, I came to serve, and service is about giving of myself for the benefit of others. Jesus was God before he came down to earth, and he was God when he went back up. He gained nothing within himself. His service was not about becoming more God. His service was a sacrificial giving of himself and his time and his energies for the sake of others, and those others were you 
and me. And so last week we started to look at service. We looked at Acts chapter 6 when the church was beginning to grow. This movement in Jerusalem was growing and they came to a place where they had a situation where certain widows were getting treated better apparently in the distribution of food uh, and another group of widows were not as good. And so they made this simple thing. They just said, look, choose seven men. You all know the story. Choose seven men from among you who basically are willing and able have the basic necessary skills to do the job and are willing to do it, choose seven men filled with the Holy Spirit and wisdom and we'll get them to do it. That word choose in the Greek literally means examine with the eye. In other words, I just want you to look around and pick seven people that you think can do this. How incredibly unspiritual was that? No, there was no mention of go and find seven people who feel led. Go find seven people who feel great satisfaction in that ministry. Find seven people with massive amount of giftings and passion. No, no, just choose seven people who are willing and able to serve in a capacity. And as a result of seven people stepping up to that, what happened? The church grew and more people came to faith and we continued to march on forward and forward. And I think in a lot of churches, a lot of congregations, uh, if we don't get the servant part of it right, it makes it very, very difficult to grow. I mean, I remember the early days uh, of a rise in the GSAC, and I won't get too nostalgic, but I, I, I meant what I said. I remember setting up 30 chairs and having my family turn up and two people turn up and thinking, wow, this is awesome. We've got two, two people have sort of come along to, 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 to hear the word of God. And, and, and we were excited about that. But when I look back at what we were doing back then, you know, setting up the sound and, 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 and I mean, in the early days, I was leading worship, I was preaching, um, Luke was, was plugging in wires and setting things up. And, and everybody that sort of came along, as people began to drift in, every person started doing something. You'd turn up and somebody would be putting a chair out. When the service was over, somebody would be getting a broom because we're in the GSAC. We were paying to rent a room. Somebody would be sweeping. Everybody was sort of doing something. And, and it wasn't that we needed to even ask. People just looked and went, that's got to be done. So people are just doing things. And then in that environment, we began to grow. We sort of outgrew that space. And the Lord opens up a door for us to come up here. And we came up here. And it's a journey for another day. But we got this building and we moved in. And uh, my big concern when we moved in here was, well, what would people have to do now? Because it's great when you're setting up. You buy, when, you, when you're participating, you kind of buy into what's going on, don't you? And, and so now we don't have chairs to put out anymore. They're here, and now we don't have done it. But anyway, as it turns out, there's things to do, and there's plenty of things to do. And so people have found their way into different spaces and so on. What I'm challenging or what I'm, what I'm getting at, what we're talking about these last couple of weeks, is that there are opportunities now to serve to not only help us get to the next phase of where we want to go and where we need to go as a church. But there's, there's another deeper reason why I believe each of us should be serving in the place where we're planted. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul says this. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, so straight away we know this, he's talking to people in the church. He's not, so if you're here this morning and you do not follow Jesus, you, you, you're not uh, the same side of the cross with your faith as, as, say, a lot of us are here, you haven't made that decision, then you're exempt. I'm giving you an out right now. This is not for you. So if you're here right now, don't feel like you've got to listen to what I've got to say. Have a listen and, and, and hopefully you'll understand. But there's no expectation on you. But if you are in the church, if you are someone that's this side of the line with the cross, Paul's speaking to you. You, my brothers and sisters, watch this. You were called to be free. Everyone say, I'm called to be free. Okay, you're wondering about your calling. Some people are obsessing about their calling in God. What am I called? I want to tell you something. Stop obsessing. Here's, here's the first part of your calling. You're called to be free. Amen? We are called, we sing songs about it. No longer a slave to sin. 
You know, we sing songs about freedom in Christ and so on. Well, Paul's saying here that, that you are called to be free. Part of your calling is to be free. But here's the thing. Freedom is not the ability, freedom is not the, uh, the, the ability to do whatever you want. Some people think freedom means I can now do whatever I want. Freedom when it comes to freedom in Christ is not about doing whatever I want. Freedom is having the power to do what is right. Once upon a time, I might not have had the power to make the right choices that I needed to make with my life. Freedom in Christ is not about the ability to just do whatever you want. You can do that if you want to. But the true freedom that Jesus brings to us is the empowerment to now do what is right. Once upon a time, I couldn't. Now I can. Now I have within me the power to do what's right. He says this, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom. So your freedom that you have right now in Jesus is something you get to use. It's something practical. You get to use that freedom. What are you going to do with that freedom? How are you going to use that freedom? Well, Here's Paul's advice. He says, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, here's a better way to use your freedom. You get to use it. And you can use it one of two ways. You can either indulge your flesh. In other words, you can use your freedom in Jesus to be all about you, doing whatever you want, what floats your boat, what's self-fulfilling, what benefits you, what gets you from A to B. You can use your freedom to do whatever it is that you want to do. But Paul says there's a better way. He says, I'd rather you didn't do that. Don't indulge the flesh. Rather, serve who? One another, humbly in love. Don't lose it. Serve who? One another. In other words, your freedom in Christ, somewhere in that freedom, is the opportunity for you to make a choice to do something that serves the other people sitting in the context of church. Why do we think that serving within a, a body, the body of Christ, serving within the church is important? Well, Paul sums it up right here. He says that, Part of, your, part of the reason why Christ set you free was so that you would make the choice to use that freedom to serve other people within the body of Christ. The world is full of people who think about number one. Remember years ago there was an ad. I can't remember what it was for. I think it was a healthcare company. For the most important person in the world. You. Remember that ad? For the most important person. I listen to Spotify. Anyone listen to Spotify? But I'm, I'm too cheap to pay for premium. I don't care about them. I'm not giving you three bucks a week and not have ads. I don't care about the ads that much. My kids jib me all the time. Just get premium. You won't get ads. Like, I don't care about ads. I just, you know, I can handle 30 seconds of ads and get onto the music. But I'll tell you what, the ads, they're so you-focused. You don't have to have this, and you want this, and it's all about you, and it's all about you, and it's all about you, and let's set up a world where you can have whatever you want. Why? Because you want it, because it's all about you. And Paul says here, but it shouldn't be like that for us in the church. He says that we have been given freedom. We've been called to be free. It's a call of God. And now that we're called to be free and we embrace that freedom, we have a choice to use that freedom for whatever purposes we choose to use it. And we can use that freedom for all kinds of things, good, bad, and indifferent. But Paul's encouraging us here going, here's what I want to say to you. Would you use some of that freedom? Would you use a bit of that freedom? Would you just use a little bit of that time, that resource, that energy? Would you use a little bit of that freedom to serve other believers? 
humbly, in a spirit of love. You know, there's no other uh, configuration I can think of where I get to serve other believers, as many of them in the one time as I do by being a part of something that happens here when we gather together. I know that sounds incredibly unspiritual, but I want you to imagine how unspiritual it sounded when the church leader said in Acts 6, just go and run your eye over the crowd and pick seven men who can do it. How unspiritual. We're not talking gifting. We're not talking anointing. We're not talking goosebumps and feeling led. We're talking practically. There are needs that need to be done. There are things that are right there in front of you right now. It's a call to servanthood. And, the, and here's the thing about servants, and I've observed this through my whole life. Servants, and this is radical. If you're taking notes, take this one down. You might not hear this again. This is open your ears, your heart. Jesus is going to blow your mind away. Servants, right? Servants serve. I can write a book on that. But not everybody who serves is a servant. Servants serve. But not everybody who serves is a servant. Servants serve because that needs to be done. Some people serve as a stepping stone to something else. Well, I'll do that because it'll get me to here. So really, you're not serving for the sake of others, you're serving for the sake of self. I'll serve there because that's my gift and I get to use my gift. Well, okay, so really you're serving for the sake of yourself to use your own gift, not sacrificially for the benefit of others. Servants serve, but not everyone who serves is a servant. Service is actually just simply a natural byproduct of a person who has become a servant. And we're not talking so much about what we do because it starts with who we are. Jesus was a servant. Because of that, he served. Now, I'm not standing here this morning saying to you, you need to go back to your church or or here in this church and you should start serving. Um, What I'm saying is if you examine your heart and you become a servant, you will serve. It's a natural byproduct of it. I want to use as an example here this morning, David. David is a great example of what I'm talking about this morning. Now, last week we talked about how if I'm serving to get self-fulfillment, who's the focus of my service? It's me. If I'm serving because I get, floats my boat or it's my, who gets the benefit? Who am I serving for? Ultimately, I'm serving for me. It's something I get out of it. Servants serve for no benefit other than it meets the current need and benefits somebody else. There are three types of people here in church this morning. Every church this morning that's meeting around this country are three types of people. And these are the three types of people. One are people who serve to the benefit of others. They serve to the benefit of others. You know, the the people that put that morning tea together this morning, you know why they did that? It's a little bit too much for them. You know why they did that? They're serving for your benefit. Who, who benefited this morning from the morning tea, the service of other people? Put your hand up, those of you that do morning tea in the life of the church. How awesome is that? These guys, these guys, yep, I think it's great. I, I, I give them honour. These guys, they're not, looking, they're not doing that to get something out of it for themselves. They're doing that because, you know what, when you come in here this morning, they want you to have a great experience. They want to create an environment where you feel like you've come home. And there's a nice meal on the table and it's all there. What about the people that clean? 
There are people in this church that come on in once a week and they clean. It sounds very unspiritual, but let me ask you a question. If we didn't clean the toilets after the third week of going in there, do you think you'd want to keep coming back? Let's just not clean for a few weeks and let's see how many of us like walk. It sounds unspiritual, but hey, there's a practical side to life as well as a spiritual side. Life is 100% spiritual and it's 100% practical. So people come on in and they give up their time and they serve. There are those who serve to the benefit of others. Then the second group of people are those who, who, who don't serve, but they appreciate the benefit of others. So you're not doing nothing right now, but you acknowledge and realise that, that you're sitting here in a nice clean auditorium because of somebody else. You love it when you invite somebody to come to church here and there's a morning tea out there. You enjoy taking them in, knowing that there's going to be a clean toilet, all the unspiritual things. You enjoy all that sort of stuff. When we have our community barbecues, how many people love the fact that Bevan goes out there and cooks up a thousand sausages and we get to walk out here? Who loves that? I love it. I love it. It's great. You're serving people. You're not making sausages. He's serving other people. He's doing something. I don't know. I've never asked you. Are you an anointed sausage burner, cooker? I don't know. Is there an anointing? Has the prophet ever said you're going to be? I don't know. I don't know. But there are those that serve to the benefit of others. There's a, there are those who don't serve, but they acknowledge and understand that they're benefiting from others. And then there are also people who don't serve and don't even appreciate the fact, don't understand that you wouldn't be sitting in a clean place. You wouldn't be using a clean toilet. You wouldn't be having morning tea if it wasn't for somebody else sacrificing a bit of time and energy and serving you? What type of people are we? But here's the thing. We've got two options. We go looking for self-fulfillment. We go looking for the use of our gift. We go looking for our passion. We go looking for something that floats our boat. Or we allow God to take us to where our passion is. We allow God to reveal our gift. We allow God to take us to a place of fulfillment and satisfaction. We're either going to look at the target and try to get there or we stop looking at the target and we just start looking at what are the needs where I am right now, God. And understand this, servants always win. Servants always win. I've never seen a servant-hearted person that didn't find satisfaction or fulfilment. I've never seen a servant-hearted person that didn't find a place for their gift. I've never seen a servant-hearted person who didn't find a sense of passion in what they're doing. But it doesn't start there. And that's what I want to say. It doesn't start there. It starts by simply doing what's in front of you at the time. David is a classic example. How many of you know that David was a man after God's own heart? When I say David, what do you think straight away? Man after God's own heart. God wants you to think that. And generations after generation that read these ancient documents think the same thing. David was a man after God's own heart. God wants us to think about David that way. David was the king of Israel. Who knows that? David was a king of Israel. He's one of the most well-respected, well-documented kings of that entire nation, God's people. David was the king. People followed David. By the time David got to the throne, he had a lot of people following him. There was excitement about the fact that David was finally there. David gets anointed king between the ages of 10 and 15. David becomes king at the age of 30. He's anointed between 10 and 15. And he becomes king at the age of 30. So by the time he comes king, he's got a bit of a following. People are following after him, and he's now the king. 15-odd years after being anointed, he finally gets to that place where his anointing was going to take him to. But when he becomes king, he's got a bit of a following. Why has he got a bit of a following, and why has he already got a bit of a name and a reputation? We'll go back a few years between the ages of 16 and 19. He does something. He finds himself on a battlefield fronting a guy called... Goliath, exactly. So he fronts Goliath and he does what no other person in the army of age could do. He steps up, grabs three stones, goes, watch this, woo, whack. Goliath goes, splat. 
gets a sword, lobs his head off, and all of a sudden people are excited. And because of that, he gets a bit of a name and he becomes a general in the army and so on. And then what ends up happening? I mean, he's having so much victory that people start singing this song, Saul has slain his thousands, Saul was the king, David is tens of thousands. So David's fame is starting to pick up. People are starting to notice David, they're starting to recognise David, they're starting to want to follow David. Yep, he's a king at 30. He only made it to become the king. The basis of his kingship was the fact that he killed this Goliath, happened to be there at the right time. It starts getting this following, this reputation, and he goes from being a 19-year-old who's not even in the army, and he ends up being the king. But guess what? Before he was a 19-year-old in the army, he was an uber. <laughs> David was an uber. Read it. First Samuel chapter 17. David... He's an Uber. He's a food delivery guy. His father, Jesse, says to him, your brothers are in the battle. David, here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab some lunch bags and I want you to run to the battlefield and I want you to give your brothers their lunch. Anyone, is that true or not? Do you read that story? Guess what happens? If David doesn't deliver the lunch bag, he doesn't meet Goliath. If David doesn't meet Goliath, he doesn't start getting the following he's getting. If he doesn't start getting the following he's getting, the transition into becoming the king's maybe a little bit more difficult. Maybe he doesn't get there. How many people have been anointed for things and not got there? Israel were meant to go into the promised land. The nation didn't get there. The Bible has many, many stories of people that were meant to get there but didn't get there because of their own choices. David was a man after God's own heart. If David doesn't deliver a lunch bag to the battlefield, then he doesn't fight Goliath. If he doesn't fight Goliath, he doesn't get that following. He doesn't become the king of Saul's army. If he doesn't become the king of Saul's army, he doesn't kill his tens of thousands while Saul kills his thousands. And by the time he gets to the kingship, he's well known and he's got people following him. He's got a bit of reputation and so on. And it all started. People think the most significant thing David did was become king of Israel. No, it wasn't. He was anointed for that. People think the most significant thing David did was kill Goliath. No, no. He was in the right place at the right time with the right skill set and the right amount of faith in God and trust. Then he did that. The most significant thing David did in his whole life was he picked up a lunch bag. He picked up a lunch bag. Now I want you to imagine what David could have said. 1 Samuel 17 verse 17. Jesse says to David, can you pick up a lunch bag and run it to the battlefield? Here's what David could have said. Something really significant happened in David's life a couple of verses early in 1 Samuel 16. We all know the story. He's out there looking after the sheep. And what happens while he's looking after the sheep? A guy comes running out and goes, I'll watch the sheep. You've got to get in there. This, this old dude, he looks like Gandalf out of Lord of the Rings. He's in the house right now. He's got a bottle of oil and he wants to pour it on somebody. And none of the other guys are the guy. It could be you. And so he lets go of the sheep and he runs inside and he gets in there. And this weird Gandalf looking guy says, there's the Lord's anointed and pours a bottle of oil over his head. And then a few verses later, after being anointed the king of Israel, his father has the audacity to say to him, could you run a lunch bag to your brothers? Can you imagine? I wonder whether it crossed David's mind at any point to go, I'm sorry, what? Do you realise who I am? I'm the future king of Israel. You were there. Can you imagine? I can imagine Jesse going, look, David, I know that you're anointed king of Israel. I know that you're going to be the king. But right now, I just need someone to deliver a lunch bag. 
Then look, I know you're anointed. Look, I know you've got an amazing skill set. Yes, you killed lions and bears. We get it. I know about it. You never stop talking about it. I remember when it happened. I remember the anointing. I had to clean up the floor when you guys left. All that mess. I was there, I remember. I know that you're anointed king, but right now I don't need a king of Israel. I just need someone to deliver some lunch. I know you can defeat Goliath, but right now I don't need someone to take the head off a giant. Uh, David, I just need someone to deliver a lunch bag. That's what I need right now. David was anointed. David had a skill set. He had giftings and power and all kinds of things. But he got there because he was humble enough to serve an existing need and pick up a lunch bag and take it to the battlefields. Here's the thing. I believe when we all work together and we all just look at what are the existing needs right now, what's here in front of us right now, when we pick up a lunch bag, two things happen. Number one, just like in Acts chapter 6, the church gets to move forward. And we get to grow and we get to walk into the future that God has for us. But number two, when you pick up a lunch bag, you get to where you need to be. David needed to be there at that moment to take down that giant. How did he get to that monumentous moment? By simply serving an existing need. Just by doing what was in front of him. I've been anointed for something. We've all been anointed for something. We've all got a gift to do something. But I can also do some things I'm not anointed for. I can also do some things that I'm not the most gifted for. See, nobody can do everything, but here's the thing. Everybody can do something. Amen? Everyone can do something. You may be gifted and you may be talented. You may even be highly anointed. But are you prepared to use the freedom you've been given to lay that aside and simply meet the current needs that are right there in front of you. How many of you know that Billy Graham, when he used to do his crusades to thousands and thousands of people, you know what he would do after his crusades? He would walk downstairs, find the janitor, and he would help clean. Billy Graham did that. He would go down there and he would clean. So it doesn't matter whether you become the king. If you've got a servant heart, you'll still find ways to serve current and existing needs. Yeah, we've got a great leadership team here. I think everyone on our leadership team, they're on cleaning rosters. They're on morning teas. They're on greeting. Why? Because they're current existing needs. And what we found is as we meet current existing needs, guess what happens? All of a sudden, a kids' church opportunity pops up. And we get beautiful people like Tiffany and Nick. Step into that space and begin to move forward. Why? Well, because all the current needs. We had a group of people that put their hand up and served and just met current needs. And as current needs are met, more opportunities open up for us. I often wondered, you know, God, if you were if you were to bring a hundred people in here this week, would they find a community of faith? Would they find a community of servants? Would they find people that are thinking of something other than just themselves? Is that the kind of culture that these people would come into? My challenge for us this morning is I'm going to ask you to do something in a second. Luke, uh, uh, Daniel, it's just to jump up. We're going to have a worship song now. Don't worry about the video now, Luke. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to do an action. And the reason I'm going to ask you to do an action is for no other reason than I think faith is an action. So I'm going to ask you to do a simple action this morning. If you want to. If you don't want to, that's completely fine. There's no judgment here. 
I know there are people sitting here and you're saying right now, I don't have time to serve or do anything. And you know what? I respect where you're at in life and how you see things. There will be people sitting here going, I've done my time. I've seen, you know, I've done my time of that. Look, I respect that that's your position. I get that. There are other people sitting here probably going, yeah, but you don't have anything that floats my boat. You don't have anything that uses my gear. Look, I, 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 if that's where you're sitting, I, I respect that. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do. One of three things. I'm going to ask you to come up and grab a lunchbox. Okay? No, there's no off food in there. You're not going to... There's no pies. I packed them on Friday. I hope there's no pies anyway. I want you to grab one of those and I want you to go back to your chair. I want you to just have a think. I'm not even going to say to you, would you spend hours in prayer? And Look, service is a choice. I believe it's a choice. I don't want you to do something just because you feel you're manipulated to. That's not what we're about. We're giving you an opportunity. And even if you're not at this particular church and you haven't put your roots, that's fine. Maybe for your own church. Maybe you can come and grab something. Think about what can I do there in that local faith community so that the mission and vision, the reason why Jesus put that group together can go forward and let's reach this world for Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate. That's why we're here. We're here to reach the world. We're not here for ourselves. We're here to reach the world. I've been saved for... How old am I now? 40-something. 48, 47. Got saved when I was 19. And I've been in mission organizations and we've lived overseas and I've got to preach the gospel to thousands and I've got to preach to ones and twos and seeing people come to faith. And, and you know, one thing I have observed is this. I, I believe that, that, that there's a mission on the local church in a local community. I don't have a world vision anymore. I used to. I don't. I now have a vision and a heart for here. God put me here. No point being here while I'm thinking about India. We did our time in India and I still love India. But you know what? I wake up each day. God, give me a heart for here. I want to reach these people. I want to do something in my community. And I want you to do one of three things. I want you to grab a lunch bag. And I want you, if you're ready and comfortable, take it over there to that table. We've got a list of things there, basic needs. You're not signing up to say you will do it. It's an expression of interest so we can talk to you about that. You know, some people think serving in their church is going to take too much time. You know, there are some people here, they give us two hours a month. It's not a lot. We're not talking about taking a hold of your whole world and taking your time away. I want you out there. I want you out there mixing with people. We have very little stuff that we ask people to do here. I want you to grab a lunch bag, go back to your chair at the end of this song. I want you to go over and sign up. Put your name down where you're interested and we can have a conversation. The second group of people, I want you to grab a lunch bag. And if you're one of those people that say, I don't have time or I've done my time, or you've got nothing for me, whatever. I want you to do this for me. I respect what you're saying, but I want you to come and grab one of the leaders. Can you put your hand up, Owen, Judy, uh, Ruth, that, the, Luke up the back. This is the leadership of the church. I want you to grab one of us and go, look, can we have a little bit of a chat? I want to talk about that. I, I think from where I'm sitting and looking, I've got no time. From what I can see, there's nothing here for me. From what I can see, I've done my... I, I want you to invite us to come into that space and have a conversation with you. We're not going to manipulate, coerce or push. We just want to help you see some things maybe a little bit differently so you can make your own mind up at the end of the day. The third people. Maybe you grab a lunch bag and find a leader and maybe you've got to go. That's okay, I respect that too. But maybe you grab someone you go, here's my phone number. Can you call me at some point this week because I want to have a chat. I'm asking you, would you invite us into that space? Would you invite us into that space? We can do so much by ourselves, but together we can do so much more. There's no peanuts cartoon.
He likes peanuts. And Lucy walks in, and Brother Linus is watching TV. Lucy walks in, and she demands, as Lucy did, she demands, Linus, you change that TV channel now. She gets a fist like this, and she says, you better do it. And he says this to her, what makes you think you can walk right in here and take over? She says, these five fingers. Individually, they're nothing. But when I curl them together like this into a single unit, they form a weapon that is terrible to behold. (laughs) What channel do you want, Linus says, and he changes the channel. And he turns away from the TV and he looks at his fingers and he says this. He says, why can't you guys get organized like that? I think we can. I think we can. And I I hope and pray this morning you've heard the heart of what I'm saying. Daniel's going to lead us in a worship song now, and here's what I want you to do. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. But I'm inviting you as a step of faith. Would you come and grab a lunch bag? Would you go back to your chair? And when we finish, I'm going to pray for us, and then you do whatever you choose to do. Go and sign up. Come and chat to somebody, whatever. Amen. Father, I just pray right now. Holy Spirit, would you... God, would you just open our eyes let us see what you want to show us. Let us hear what you want to say to us, God. Father, I pray for every person in this room. Lord, I believe that there are kings, anointed kings in this room. Lord, I believe that there are people in this room that are born to slay giants. God, that are born to make a difference. Father, there are all kinds of gifts and talents here, but... Lord, the reason David was a man after your heart, I'm sure, is because he was a servant first. And servants always win. Servants always get to the destination. Servants always land on the runway. So Holy Spirit, I just pray right now, would you speak to our hearts? Challenge us, motivate us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.